Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. And this is episode 57, From Stand-Up Comedy to Brand Therapy with Hirsch Repun. Dive into the importance of humor, empathy, and authenticity in building a strong brand voice. What this episode will do for you is help you discover the confluence of comedy and branding by diving into Hirsch's journey from stand-up comedy to crafting brand voices and understand how humor is a vital component in effective branding. Enhance your brand's voice by learning from Hearst's unique experience in both comedy and branding to refine and express your brand's authentic voice to better understand strategic thought leadership and explore the parallels between humor, comedy, and strategic thought leadership and how shifting frames of reference can be a powerful tool in messaging. Unlock the power of humor. Grasp how humor can serve as a salve, diffusing tension, equalizing situations, and making messages more relatable and impactful. And humanize your brand by realizing the importance of adding a human touch, empathy, and authenticity, making it more accessible and resonant with your audience. But before we dive more deeply into this episode... In case you're new here, consider that I created the Thought Leadership Studio podcast to help listeners improve their thought leadership skills. So whether or not you consider yourself a thought leader at this point, consider that I've come to the conclusion that the practice of strategic thought leadership is now fundamental to effective marketing and helpful in any area of positive influence. It's about leading an audience to embrace a unique perspective that gives them more value. So this podcast is designed to provide an accelerated training process for which I use my expertise in design human engineering, neuro-linguistic programming, systems thinking, and game theory to create a condensed form of learning. And I recommend repeated listening for optimum empowerment. And an important part of this is having models of excellence for which I provide interviews of people who excel in one or more areas relevant to strategic thought leadership. And if you're listening on an app, make sure you visit the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. It's linked in the episode description for a summary of the episode with a curated transcript, a story and images, and additional resources and offers, such as the free Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, free PDF guide, and a free 30-minute brainstorming or discovery session with me in which we can address your thought leadership specifically. So in this episode, we're excited to introduce Hirsch Repun. Hirsch is a consultant and coach who specializes in brand voice. He discusses his unique journey that led him to his current work. He explains his background in stand-up comedy and advertising and how it helped him develop his skills in brand messaging and communication. Hirsch emphasizes the importance of humor, empathy, and authenticity in building a strong brand voice. And He also discusses his upcoming book, Selling the Truth, and offers advice for individuals looking to evolve their brand voice, which we're all really trying to do online these days. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Thought Leadership Studio.
So I'm your host of Thought Leadership Studio, Chris McNeil, and I'm sitting here with Hirsch Rephun, who is a consultant coach, offers workshops online about brand voice. Welcome, Hirsch. Great to have you here. It's great to be here, Chris. Thank you. Well, to introduce our listeners to you, what's um, a story you could tell about what puts you on the track of doing this kind of work where you help founders, CEOs, consultants, thought leaders, influencers to define and refine and deploy their unique brand choice? Well, it was kind of a unique uh, coming together of stand-up comedy which was uh, a, a first love of mine when I was younger and living in New York. And I was working, I went to School of Visual Arts. So I studied advertising and I got a job on Madison Avenue, but at night I would go and do standup. And it was, at first I kept them very separate because my job wasn't uh, as a copywriter at first. I was um, representing directors of TV commercials and composers and editors. So I was on the, uh, agencies on the agent side, not on the uh, not on the copywriting side. And I would get, you know, my boss would say, you're really creative. Could you want to sit in on this meeting, throw in some ideas? Directors would ask me for ideas. Sometimes uh, my my boss would send me over to an agency to, to, to do some copywriting for them as a freelancer. And so I had a, a kind of unique uh, workflow going there. And the stand-up comedy was just something I would do. And I, and I didn't even, in fact, have a ton of time to do it. But for a while there, I was um, I was, I was get, getting my chops as a stand-up comedian. But I, I was always funny. You know, it was always the humor was always a nice anchor for what I did. And uh, that evolved into directors saying, hey, Hirsch, would you write my bio? Or would you write a press release? There were no publicists in per se in the production and post-production world of advertising, you know. Uh, and so I just did that. And I would I would send the the blurb out. I would write up, do the little write up, and they were like, "Hey, this is really great. Um, you know, you should start a little cottage industry," which is what I did. Um, and I had a I had a a couple of firms. Um, that specialized in PR for that market. But um, at the same time, there was a point at which I realized, you know, the comedy and whether it's PR or it's advertising, it's all communicating. It's all messaging. So in my journey over the last couple of decades, I did, I was head of communications or I was PR or I was uh, a freelance creative director or I was a stand-up comic. Either way, I was communicating ideas about uh, identity. You know, when I was doing stand-up, I was doing voices and characters and, you know, stuff like that. When I was doing it on the business side, I was listening to clients' voice and attitude and tone. And so I picked up on that stuff very easily. So if a client had a certain way of communicating about their brand, especially a founder or a CEO, I could turn that, channel that into a message that really sounded like them, but maybe a little more effective in terms of getting attention. And that's how this message therapist kind of reputation <laughs> came up because, because at the, at the CEO level, at the founder level, they would say, they would say, Hey, can you, can I confide in you? You know, can 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 I tell you what's really happening with this brand? And can you can you help us through this thing? And that's that's where the consulting started. I can see so many parallels with humor and comedy, and yeah, what we what we talk about here is strategic thought leadership. You know, and yeah, a, a paradigm shift. I mean, it isn't a joke about shifting the frame of reference. Yeah. And yeah. thinking on your feet aspect. Yeah, for sure. And and the aspect of um, getting a response, packaging your message to get a response, being in tune with your audience. And I'm sure there's lots more threads to follow yeah. that. Uh, so it was, it was kind of uh, throw these things into an omelet pan and make an omelet out of ingredients nobody else yet expected. And it turned out really well. Yeah. 
Yeah, very well said. I mean, you know, it's humor. If we think about the ingredients that make up comedy, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's pain, there's disappointment, there's reversal, there's, um, you know, reorientation, all these things that happen in, in, in humorous stories. And so that's why I, I came to say that my job was really to help people sell the truth with humor and humanity, because that empathetic element, that part that, that feels for other people is a large part of humor because humor is a salve in a way. It helps the medicine go down. It's, it's an equalizer. You know, it diffuses tension. It releases tension. So all those things are things that I think are needed for people to relate to a brand and start to, you know, whether you have a personal brand or you have a, a small business or, or, or a, a billion dollar brand, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that 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 spark, that individual spark, is what really drives the connection with the audience. That makes it humanizes it, doesn't it? And yeah, it humanizes little, exactly. And we talked a little bit before we started recording about a book you're working on called yeah. "Selling the Truth," and I love the concept. And my understanding is going way back. Wasn't it the court jesters in times where it was you you killed the messenger? They're the ones in <laughs> court who had unique license to tell the truth right and i think yes. comedians like george carlin who would who would be a big truth teller mm -hmm. and package it in a way so that it's humorous but could tell the truth in a way that mainstream media really couldn't yeah yeah i mean i think that that and it's funny because as a comedian that wasn't my role initially in my own mind I was just, I, I think that for a lot of my early years, I used the voices and, and storytelling and all that stuff just to, just to kind of be a salve and coat and be funny and really, and, and, and like, I was like, you know, I was one of the, the lighter kind of comic, but it quickly at, but, but about in about 2011, I started doing it again. And I very quickly made a move to more substantive and dark, serious issues. You know, uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, suicide, things like that were not off limits, not as a shock, uh, as a shock comedian, but as someone who just was willing to, to talk about stuff. But the humor made it, made it work. And if it, if it was funny, and if it if it had some pathos, you know, some kind of some kind of uh, sentiment about it, um, it worked. But you're right; like it's the it's the comedians who can be pointed. It's the comedians who can, and it's not to say I'm just kidding. You know, it, it's to say, well, I'm I'm kidding because because it's that's the only way we can deal with this. That's what that's what it is. I'm not kidding i'm just kind of coding <laughs> right right and you know you know when, so when you bring this to the table when you're working with someone who wants to expand their influence of their personal brand or as a spokesman for the brand of their company um you're you're helping them and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're helping them bring emotion to it. And this background as a comedian, knowing how to use comedy as a salve, how to deal with hard issues, I imagine, could make it so that, hey, when you have to deliver a difficult message, there's a way to do it that people relate to you as a human and be more accepting, perhaps. When you have to deliver yeah. a message of leadership and authority, there's also a way to deliver that so you don't seem disconnected, but you seem like a human and, and someone, something can relate to. Or, or do you find that to be the case? Yeah, Chris, I, re I really do. Because when I'm, you know, one of the ways you find out what you're good at is when you witness things and feel like, ah, oh, they should have blank. Or, ah, oh, why didn't they just <laughs> do blank? You know, and I'm sure you've experienced that. And, and it can be very frustrating. And that's one of the reasons why I 
decided at a certain point not to sit on the sidelines and just feel bad that people missed an opportunity or fumbled a, uh, you know, a transition. Um, I really believe that, you know, the selling the truth thing is not only about we, uh, you know, honesty is the best policy. How do we navigate it? It's not really, it's not a moral judgment. It's, it's that we, the better we are at framing reality, the better we will do. And that, and that, and that's simply because of that trust element, that bond that has to be established with your audience, with your customer. And so given that reality, that then the, I think that where I try to guide people is if you can get in touch with your, with your reality and, you know, you start with little stuff, if, 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 if you can build your reality out from the inside out, right? Cause no one can, no one can, uh, counter the, uh, your personal truth, right? Nobody can counter what you believe. Nobody can counter what your, uh, commitment to your to your brand and your product and your and your uh, customer is those things are are yours to build and if you build those from the inside out you're going to find that you're building a trustworthy brand that makes perfect sense I, yeah. I guess there's a certain vulnerability involved to with uh, someone who might be a the top tier of a large organization opening up so that um, they can feel human when they might feel, oh, I need to be Iron Man, you know? Right, well, I need and to protect myself. Life. Yeah, or they feel they need to protect their uh, their brand or their work, you know, their workforce. And what what they don't realize is that the, the team that is serving them wants to be included. And, you know, that's why I advocate for large, large companies, not even large companies, but, you know, companies that are fortunate enough to have a workforce that they build this brand internally first with that workforce. They communicate with them. They ask them their opinion. They include them because a lot of times what you'll see is a big brand will have a very good public image, but inside those insides are kind of uh, rusty and, and, not, and not functioning so well. And that's because these people are feeling, well, I get that it's, all shiny on the outside, but on the end, what about us? What about the inside? Where where are they walking the walk? You know, where are they? Where are they living that 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 persona? And, and so that comes out these days, you know. Yeah. The how the brand is portrayed to the public is often through the experience of the customer. So if you're yeah. talking your talk, and then the world to find out about it anyway. So how do you yes. create this environment um, where? the people within an organization or the leaders are, are able to open up to you enough for you to help them evolve this. I think a lot of that comes from the combination of the humor and the, and the, you know, human experience, you know, it's like you mentioned, if you let people know, if you let those people at the top know, and, and by the way, they don't have to share everything. It's not about it's not about sharing or oversharing. It's about access and saying, okay, um, what is what is your reason? What 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 is your reason for for being for doing this? What is what is your what is your most treasured goal? And then saying to that same to 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 a person who works for you, who may not even have a very high role in the hierarchy and say to them, Hey, what is your most cherished goal? What's your, what's your, what is it? What is it for you? And then bringing those two things together can be transformative and nobody really, nobody lost anything. If anything, both people gained. And so I think that kind of openness is so human and not really you know, it's not, it's not like I'm opening the books to everybody. I, you know, I did this when I was 12. I'm, you know, it's not, a, it's not, it's not about pouring your heart out, tapping into that one golden nugget of truth about yourself, 
that's again goes back to this message therapy thing because it's just you know i'm not a life coach you know but but i have like a lot of us accumulated experience and uh knowledge and attitudes and opinions and i think i just am willing to share them you know and that willingness makes me accessible you know and it makes it makes it easier in a in a one-on-one -on -one setting and in a group setting to share and be a little more open and a little more vulnerable like to use that word that you used so in doing this um have you come across any interesting stories that um, you'd be willing to share at least part of with our audience that might illustrate the principle and a real life story that that brings it to life and brings it to ground a little bit. Yeah, um, and you know, and I I won't I won't you know mention the 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 people that that I was working with, but there was you know there there was a a, a brand that you know I was working with where. Um, they were very divorced from their image. In other words, they they had a it wasn't that they they didn't live their image in the sense that it came from a very honest place, but they were struggling very hard to uh, maintain a tight ship to run a tight ship. and um and so, and they couldn't understand, you know why why was our brand not being perceived as this kind of warm, fuzzy brand. And I said, well, you guys are, you're holding everything in. You're holding everything together. And I think perhaps in their case, they were growing at a, at a, at a pretty good rate. Um, you know, they were, you know, they were a, a family business, a family owned business, a privately owned business. Uh, but they just weren't letting anybody into any of that. And as soon as they let, let, the audience in it it took on this this life and it's something they did through videos and they did it through uh you know and but it was very personal it was that kind of sit down like i described to you where you sit down and you have this kind of round robin that starts in a very uh you know just just with the the founders and then with the management team and the and the c suite you know and then, uh, you know, and it took, it, it was, this is, we're talking about it like a year of working with, with this, with this company and getting to know this company. Um, and everybody doesn't have to go that deep, but the transformation is, you know, is in the, in the perception that the buyer has, the purchaser has, you know, in the perception that the family has that, that is the counterpoint to the to the founders you know the and and it's just was wonderful to see and um and i think that anybody can do that anybody who's willing to take that first step of of you know not just looking at at data data is really important but it is a tool you know ai is a tool all these things are tools that are there to work for us we're the humans we're what this we're what this is, you know, here to serve. We created all these things. That's we created, right. we created, we created, uh, you know, channels. We created distribution. We created, uh, you know, marketplaces. Yeah. And how much of this, the need for what you do, you think has been driven by the change in how companies in marketplaces relate to one another? And I'm old enough, and I'm sure some of our listeners are as well, to remember the pre-internet days when the company bought the brand with interruption advertising on TV mm -hmm. and newspapers, and they could portray anything they want in the hope that some people would read it and some people would buy into it and feel in control of the conversation, at least in an illusory kind of way. Right. And right. now it's all super transparent. We have executives from that era waking up to the fact that they need to relate to their audience um, directly, perhaps through Twitter, now X or LinkedIn and places like that, and their own voice be heard and allow the voice of the, everybody in the company to be heard directly and the customers to have access to that. And some seem to be in shock at this whole new world, and then you still have outdated paradigms from the old way. Yeah. Well, and you also have... Uh... 
social media being such a mixed bag. You know, there is a lot of good, like I just mentioned with the tool, you know, uh, reference, there can be a lot of good, but there can be a lot of bad. And, um, but I think this social responsibility aspect is only going to become emphasized more and more. It's going to happen with hot button issues. It's going to happen with climate change questions. It's going to happen with, uh, with social responsibility from a, from a uh, point of view of speaking to teens and, and speaking to vulnerable audiences. It's, it, uh, you know, uh, it, the AI uh, appropriation of identity and all of those things that, that people are out there fighting for right now, you know, on the picket lines with SAG and, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, these are these are these things are not going away. They're only going to get more pronounced. And so, my selling the truth point of view is again circles around to that, you know, watching people make mistakes that they don't need to make. You know, there's there's and and no company needs to be uh, harmful. Specifically, there are companies that are that are are just. You know, when they started, you know, 200 years ago, they didn't know that what they were doing was harmful. And now it's determining that it is. And, you know, they've, they're even pivoting in a lot of cases, but they're not pivoting willingly. They're p- pivoting out of necessity. So they're pivoting slowly. And that's, you know, my my little corner of the universe is simply to be a voice of, of support to say, um, you know, there's no reason to... BS anybody. It is not going to end well for you. And for you, by for you, I mean, whatever you're trying to build, you know, it's, you know, if it's a smash and grab situation and you're trying to get in and out and you're just trying to make yours and then run off and get in a, in a helicopter and fly away, then fine, (laughs) then fine. You know, that's it. You're not for me. You're not my, you're not going to be my client. You're not going to hire me. No, I've been approached. I have been approached in my career because I've been around a while. I've been approached in my career where people had the idea of, of BSing somebody. And how do they do that? How do we make it look like, and I just never, it never ignited. It's, and again, it's not morality. It's just common sense never, never ignited my passion. And I was just, I, and I couldn't, and I couldn't do it because it was like in the, you know, it just didn't sit right. I, you know, I don't know why, but it just, it just felt to me like so much effort. I, you know, as an actor, when I was young and I was in plays and I did some acting and I did all, I loved it because of that dividing line, because you could wear the the accoutrements of of anybody, no matter how foul, no matter how evil, and you could enjoy that vicariously and play that out and play the villain or play the play the fool or play these things. But in real life, it just that you know the beauty of doing a scene is that you're doing a scene with a partner in most cases, and they're in on the fantasy and the audience is suspending their disbelief what's happened these days chris is that i think we've we've been too willing or out of just out of you know out of pressure we've been too willing to suspend our disbelief in real life you know and we're and we're like hey you know that's not that's not how it works it's going to come back it's go you're going to have to face reality at some point. And whether we call it reality or we don't call it reality or we think it's fake or we don't believe it, it's going to happen. There'll be a, there'll be a, a point at which we, we, we come up against what is really uh, in, in immovable in, in the world. And we'll meet that. And then what? We'll be disillusioned. We'll be unhappy. And, 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 and there's no reason to make things worse than they are make them better make them better but you got to face it before you can make it better that's right hey we're agents to change and the better or we have with our audience uh and you know it's something i still run into in my world and it's both on the coaching consulting and thought leadership and on the marketing agency side are leaders who are fearful of 
online criticism. And they hold back to this kind of opening up. They hold back on getting their name out there, their message out there, and some to some extent, at least initially, because of the fear of criticism. There's 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 going to be trolls, you know. Yeah. And how, do you run into that? And how do you help your clients deal with that? You know, and it's easier. It's a great question, Chris, because it it's definitely something that comes up, and it's something that. Uh, you know, and, and, and I have to walk the walk and advocate that thing and say, don't run it, you know, don't run away from a fight, don't run away from taking a stand, um, you know, but it's, it's going to be, there's going to be bad news. There's going to be, you know, challenging times and there's going to be criticism. There's going to be somebody. And, and I, I, I tell clients, look, there, when some when criticism is constructive, whether you agree with it or not, you will know it. You will. There's a. You already know when something's not working or something's wrong or something's off. You just may not have the perspective to to really see it. And so when someone tells you that and points it out and they're right, you're gonna know it, and you're gonna have to make a decision whether it's something you can make better or not. And you know, but the first sign of someone who really knows what they're doing is wrong is wrong is when they bristle and get upset and angry at the criticism. <laughs> so th that's you're you're validating. I tell them if you're if you really think you're 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 in the right, uh, then by all means, you know, you stand up and defend your position. But if you know that they're right and they're and and you're just frustrated and you're just angry, then you need to take a little time and a little breath and own that as quickly as possible. And don't own it halfway. Don't own the truth halfway. Don't don't combine, don't mix a little truth and a little a little nonsense and hope that it will create diffusion because it doesn't. What what creates diffusion is that looking it in the face. Look it in the face, and when you look it in the face and you don't like it and you admit it and you're sincere about it, people will know. Yeah, so I see that, these trolls as like guardians of the threshold of mass influence in the hero's <laughs> so to speak. You know, it's something we go through, and it's something we go through in order anybody who's going to elevate their message and elevate their profile in order to convey a powerful message that makes yeah. a difference. And like the comedians sometimes create that paradigm shift, that shift in a frame of reference. Yeah. Uh, you know, aha and haha are very close together, actually. <laughs> well said. Yeah, true. Um, so when you work with an individual, what are the what are the things that someone would say that would identify themselves as someone you can help. And I'm thinking what might the listener be saying in their own head that lets them know they need some help in this kind of area. Yeah, I think I think there are a couple things that pop into mind. One is I know I know what makes my brand special. Why are why are they not getting it? Why am I why do I get almost tongue either tongue-tied when I try to say it? or it falls on deaf ears. Why am, why am I, they might say, in a sea of sameness? Why, why, why when, I, when I look at my profile, or I look at the story that's written about me, or I look at my, uh, my website, or I look at what my advertising, whatever it may be, why, why does it sound so bland when I'm so passionate? Or, why am I sharing this passion and I'm coming out with six guns blazing and I'm really, really effusive about it and everybody is not interested or tired or not picking it up? Why is my list, you know, of people that have opted in to my email list, but they're not activated? They're, 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 they're either asleep or they're bored or they... Or they, or they feel like it's droning on them. Here, I'm giving them all this great information. Every week, I write three articles, and I tell them three new things every week, and they don't buy anything. They don't meet with me. They don't buy my high-ticket offer. What is going on? 
And there are so many answers to all these questions. But the one thing, the one thing that they're missing is their voice. Something is wrong with their voice. All those problems, all those problems are solved by getting your brand voice right. Because if you, if you imagine, go back to the acting analogy for a second, just for fun. So somebody gives, you're playing, you're playing a, 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 an emperor or a magician or something really powerful. And you have this cape and this is your cloak. And when you're wearing this cloak, you're this, you're this great, you're this great leader. But without the cloak, you feel like I'm just wearing a shirt. I'm just wearing a, I'm just wearing a sackcloth. I don't know what, but I got to put this thing on and feel the role. And I think a lot of people are just a little lost. They're trying to get the deal. They're trying to close the deal. They're trying to make everybody happy. A lot of pressure in business, you know, and Sometimes people just lose their way or they don't know, they didn't think of it that way. And they don't know how to take what even they they believe and say it. There's a difference between knowing it and saying it. They just don't know how to say it. And the reason I do these workshops and other things that we, we talked a little about before is that I don't think it's just hire a writer. And because none of my clients ever really did that. They didn't just hire me to write. They hired me to confide in, to explain to, to talk to, to share, to bounce ideas, to, to, to bounce their kind of expectations versus their realities versus their resources and work it out into a message. Not just because I'm clever or funny, but because I'm empathetic. And that is the ultimate thing to teach them how to use their voice, not their vocal cords. There are great, there are great coaches and trainers for inflections and how you talk and how you, but, but with me, it's how you feel about your brand and how you convey that, how you feel about your brand and how you convey that those those things solve all the problems. That's interesting. And that plays off of some of the training I've had in, in NLP for sales and marketing is around this. Think of the emotion that you want associated with your brand mm -hmm. and be a shining example of that state. Yeah. The people buy feelings. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It with logic. And, yep. And, and the thing, and the thing with that, with NLP is that, you know, there's a there's a uh, uh, a subliminal aspect to what your brain processes in terms of, you know, what what it's told and what it tells other people to do. But there's a there's a marriage between the conscious and the unconscious that I think is super important. And so, uh, you know, and that's when I realized, you know, I yeah, I am a kind of a, a coach. I'm kind of a therapist. I'm kind of a trainer. I'm kind of a guide. I'm kind of this and that. I'm me. I'm just Hirsch. I just have what I, but it's, but there's a method, you know, there's a method to, to what I do. I call it the yes brand method, but, um, but I, I do feel there, there is a method. There is something I can impart beyond just doing the work for them, you know, just doing the writing for them. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Something I want to bring up too, because I think it would be of interest to our listeners, a sure. lot of whom either have books you want to market or they're working on a book. And there's a lot who maybe they already have woken up to, hey, I need a book. I need a book to market yeah. myself as a consultant or a coach. And you're working on a book. Um, what, what have you learned from that journey? I know you're just partway through the journey, but I think that's yeah. relevant. Well, Chris, the, the funny the the funny thing about it is that I had written in every medium. You could, I'm a writer, you know. So it's like when you when you're when you're a uh, you know when you're a, a statistician, uh, uh, you know, uh, and you and you are um, working with numbers and you're working with that and you're doing all the data and all that stuff. And then somebody says, "Oh, can you write a book?" And you're like, "Okay, work with me to write write a book." But I I'm a writer 
and a communicator. And now I'm setting about writing a book. And what I realized was you have to kind of clear the decks for a minute. And first of all, don't, don't have an expectation so much about what that final book is going to be or look like. It's different. It's different from, for me anyway, from writing a movie, let's say writing a movie, uh, you know, it's going to ultimately be turned into something else. Whereas the book is you and the reader. And that's a tremendous opportunity, you know, and it's a tremendous responsibility to grab their attention and have them really know that what you're putting out there is for them and for their benefit and that they are going to get something out of every page or every word. And man, that, that, that changes everything, you know, that changes the whole process because you could say, I got to do 10 pages a day. I got to do three pages a day. I got to do, I, I really did it honestly know how many pages I had until I wrote the first draft of the entire manuscript. No kidding. And, and, and yeah, I looked at when the, my editor started sending me back chapters with, with her uh, suggestions and her notes and her little additions and little, th little changes. I didn't realize how, how long some of those chapters were. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even re know if it was a finished book, you know, I just knew, I just knew that I had, I had gone through this process of communicating with, with the, with the reader. And I do recommend having a reader in, in mind, an avatar, the way that we do in business, the way, and, and so that's a good part is people who are writing business books are, are used to that. But they may have a demographic that's you know spans a, a bit. That's okay. But pick pick a pick a reader that you have in mind. You know, and in my case, I I picked one of my sons as the reader because he's he's you know almost thirty. He's in business. He's an entrepreneur. He's not a you know not an artist in the traditional sense he's creative he, he's a jewelry designer in fact but he's he's that person he doesn't know everything he can't possibly have the one thing you can't uh uh simulate is years in business so, you know, he's worked since he was, you know, 15, 16 years old, all through college, all through law school, everything, just always working. But what is he, what is missing is any knowledge that I have, that I haven't yet imparted, that I can share with someone who's ready, someone who's now ready. And that's who your avatar is, that person who's ready to receive your hard won knowledge and wisdom and humor and honesty and empathy and hope and fear. And so I'm really hoping that all those things come through in that book so that if my son can read it and go, Oh my God, this is awesome. You know, yeah. not because he's my son, but because, you know, that moment of surprise you have when you're just amazed by something. Yeah. And it's not because my ego demands it. It's because because if I wanted to get instant gratification, I go back and do stand up. That's great. You do know, two shows a night and kill, right? They kill the audience. Oh my god, I slayed them. I killed them. Uh -huh. That's a great feeling. Um, and and I remember seeing a, a a comic friend of mine turn up at a at a show. And he had to, like, I, I had not expected him back in town. He had been in Vegas. He was performing. He comes back in town. He drove through terrible weather. Through, and I go, well, why did you, why did you come to the, to the show? Why didn't you just like go home and go to sleep or go to a hotel or wait out the storm or whatever? I live close by, you know? And he was like, I needed it. I just needed it. 
I just needed to get up there. I needed to get up there. I had the Jones. I had the Jones, he told me. <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't matter, you know, dripping wet or whatever you'll do. But, but with this, it's like I want it to be amazing because I want people to have that feeling. Oh, my God, that was amazing. Yeah, what a difference. When, when, or what a great feeling it is to make that kind of difference in other people's lives. Yeah, it's just, a, it, it's amazing. And then, the, isn't it? Because if you can make that difference, then you feel that too. Yeah, that was amazing. It was That's amazing right. it giving it to you. More, and you can yeah. pass that on to the next level and right. on regenerating that and become kind of an yeah. energy generation machine. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. sharing it because it multiplies through others. Right. Well, this has been fascinating. And uh, to the listener, I want you to know that if you're listening on app, make sure you go to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. It's linked in the episode description. So I'm going to have links to all of Hirsch's stuff there, um, as well as this transcript and, and story. Um, but to wrap things up, Hirsch, what would be the top three things that you'd recommend that the listener do to take action on evolving their brand voice in the ways that we've been talking about first and second uh, for listeners just taking mental notes right now or maybe sitting in front of a screen what's the best way for people to reach out to you yeah thank you chris and by the way this has been a, a really fun for me as well and really um unique and I strive to, you know, use, use the word improvise before we started. And, and it did feel like that. Um, and in a real purposeful way. So thank you for, for being out there and for giving, uh, people like me, this platform to share and discuss and engage. Um, the first, the first thing to your, to your, to your closing question, the, what would I, what would I suggest that, that people, personal brands, businesses do to start uh, uh, using that brand voice properly, and it is an instrument, you know, is to be silent for a few minutes, you know, for a little while. Be silent for a little while with your thoughts about your brand. Don't worry about the solution immediately. And then the second thing would be to start writing down by hand, by hand, there's a difference. Start writing down by hand who you who you think you are, right? Who you think you are. Who do you think you are has become a thing that that people think is is bad because it became a term, right? Who the hell do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Think actually write down a little bit about paragraph about who you think you are. And you don't, and I'm not saying as a brand, you can say it as a brand, you can say it as a person. It depends how, how, you know, if I, if I were talking to Lay's potato chips, I would say, you know, then write down who you think Lay's potato chips is, but you know, but it's, it's not, it's, uh, it's agnostic when it comes to, uh, to who the, who you are, but you know, who, you know, whether if you're the CEO, if you're the founder, who, 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 who do you think you are as a brand? And then, and then what's the hole? What's the hole that the stuff is falling through that you want to catch? Because no matter how well you're doing, right? Uh, a friend of mine said, said yesterday, um, uh, uh, goals are just, are just problems that need to be solved for you to be happy. <laughs> which is a great, a great way, uh, to, to say it, to put it. Um, and, um, cause I was like, you know, some of my clients, some people are doing really great and it's like, you know, I, they're more goal oriented than pain oriented, right? They're not trying to put out a fire. And she's like, well, goals are just, are just problems that make you happy when they're, when they're solved, they have to be solved for you to be happy. And, um, and I was like, yeah, that's great. Because that's the next thing you got to do is where's the hole? There's a hole in your organization or there's a hole in your life or there's a hole in your plan or there's a hole in your, where's the hole that the, that the good stuff is, is falling through that you're not getting because we have to close that hole. Right. And like I said, uh, 
you know, if we can, if we can figure out your, your voice and how you use it and how you talk about yourself and where the, where that disconnect is, we can close that, that hole. We can use that tool to spackle over problems, rebuild, read, you know, people say, oh, I need to rebrand. You may not need to rebrand. You may just need a little message therapy. You may just need to start to tweak, tweak your GPS a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, you know? That's awesome. And, uh, you know, this is just dripping with insights, by the way. I could just see oh, I'm, I'm on the inside saying, yeah, yeah, I need to do this. So, listener, <laughs> make sure you do this because that's where the impact comes. I mean, how many people yeah. read a book and say, wow, that was great information, but they don't actually do what's yes. the book. And what's the best way for people to reach out to me who are inspired by this and say, you know, I think we need to work with her. How do we get a hold of them? Thank you, Chris. Um, yeah, I would say... Uh, cause I use that message therapy word a lot. I would say get message therapy.com. If you go to get message therapy.com, uh, you can find me, you can use my name. If you can spell it properly and, and you don't have to pronounce it to go there, but hershreplin.com is, a, is, is another way to get there. But, uh, but sometimes when, when message therapy really sticks with people, I say, yeah, just go to get message therapy.com. Excellent. Of and let's see what I can do. I'm going, to, I'm going to link all this to the listener. Hirsch, it has been great having you on Thought Leadership Studio. I think this has been a, an extremely eye-opening interview, and I'm sure it is for a lot of listeners as well. Thank Welcome. you, Chris. My pleasure. Thank you. It's been great to be here, and you are um, uh, you are very a gracious host and a generous host, and I, I'm so glad that you're out there doing this. I appreciate that. Thought Leadership Studio. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Hirsch Repud and got as much out of his transmutation of the edge of stand-up comedy to being a brand whisperer as the message therapist. It's a great perspective. Now, if you're listening on an app, make sure you click on the link in the episode description. Go to the episode page. You'll see a transcript of this with some images that help bring the story to life and also some links to Hirsch's resources and also the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership, which is a free instant download to help you with the building blocks of your own strategic thought leadership. Make sure you get that PDF if you don't have it already. So I'm Chris McNeil. I appreciate you listening to Thought Leadership Studio and look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thought Leadership Studio.